The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has just added Pick'em Scorchers, where you can win 100 times your money. That's right, turn $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Last-minute tickets, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the search betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And we're giving away $3,000 in our NFL Second Chance Survivor Contest presented by Corey Pinkston and Barking Dog Properties. Free to enter. Just go to sportscampodcast.com slash survivor. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently Sunday evening, October 15th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode, a bit of a longer one, though. We have three tournaments to preview. First time in a couple months, we've actually previewed three tournaments in the same episode. But you have Tokyo, you have Stockholm, and Antwerp, so we are going to cover all three. Usual routine for each, we're going to go through the quarter odds, go through the outrights, and then we'll get into the actual lock and dog picks at the end of the show. Before we get into any of that, do want to actually recap what happened on Sunday in the Shanghai final. And starting off with the lock and dog picks, ended up splitting. We won the lock and lost the dog. It was really not a good tournament for us, so I'll gladly take the split there. And it is nice to hit a lock to end the tournament because it was not the most successful tournament for us. But for the sake of the actual match, we did have the over 22 and a half games in the Hercatch and Rublev match. That got there as the match went three. And for the dog, did a lose, had Rublev in straight sets at around plus 170. Didn't work out, and you ended up seeing Hercatch actually win the first set. But I do think when looking at the overall match, it was very even, which is obvious because both players had match points in the third set tiebreak. But eventually, Hercatch got it done as he was able to win his second Masters 1000 title. And the real story of the entire tournament, which was very apparent during the semifinal against Korda, and it really repeated itself in the final against Rublev. Hercatch's serving was just incredible. There's really no way around it. He got broken one time in the entire match. It was early in that second set against Rublev. But really, from the semifinals onward, or I'd say the back half of the quarterfinals match onward, he was basically unbreakable. And it seemed like he was hitting every spot. The first serve percentage was crazy. He was hovering around 75% again in the final. But simply put, Hercatch was serving bombs, and nobody could really break him. Rublev found one opening. That was it. And then Hercatch eventually held the rest of the way in route to a three-set win and a title. But that was the main takeaway that I had. Rublev played well. But the first serve percentage was a bit iffy early in the match, which was why Hercatch broke him in the first set. But then you saw Hercatch's first serve continuously just put away key points with ease, and it just felt like Hercatch had the ultimate weapon throughout the course of this event, and he parlayed that into a nice win for him. So overall, fun match, very entertaining. Anytime you have each player getting a match point at some point, you know that it's a very thrilling final but eventually, Rublev fell a bit short, and you ended up seeing Hercatch get the job done. So congrats to him. Now it's, we're going to actually move on. I'm going to move a bit quickly into the actual meat and potatoes of the episode, because once again, there are three tournaments, so I don't want to spend too much time on 
uh, all of them. So we are going to go through each of them in chronological order. We're going to start off with Tokyo because that does have the matches starting uh, the soonest. And then we're going to go from that path. So we have Tokyo first, followed by Stockholm, and then we have Antwerp going last. Now, looking at the actual pace of these courts, uh, from what I gathered, Tokyo and Stockholm are basically the same in terms of pace. And Antwerp does seem to be a bit faster. So Antwerp is a faster hard court than Stockholm and Tokyo. It's all relatively close, but it does seem like those are the actual, uh, that's the order of hierarchy in terms of fastest hard court to slowest. And as a result, Stockholm and Tokyo are kind of neck and neck. But either way, time to actually get into the uh, futures for Tokyo. So we're going to start off with the actual quarter odds. So starting off with the first quarter, you have Fritz as the favorite at plus 175. You have Kashanov at plus 260. You have Nori at 5 to 1, Green at 5 to 1, Echeverry at 850, Papyron at 11 to 1. And then you have two guys who don't have a chance at all to win the quarter. So Fritz should be the favorite. In case any of you forgot, he actually was the winner of this tournament last year as he was able to beat Tiafo in two tie breaks. So Fritz is the defending champion, and I do think because of that, he should be favored to win the group. It is a bit of a weaker quarter in general. Uh, no offense to the likes of Kashanov and Nori. Nori's had a really bad year. That's been well documented on the show before. Kashanov's been good, but he also, once again, has not played much tennis since coming back from injury, did win a title, but he really didn't look that sharp in his last event. So I do think Fritz would beat him, but you can argue that Fritz is in line to maybe get upset since his level of play has been kind of spotty lately. He is facing off against Nori in the first round, which should be a pretty fun matchup. I think Fritz does have an edge. It is 6-6 in the head-to-head, -head, so it has been pretty close, and Nori actually did win the only meeting this year on hard court in the United Cup in three sets. That was a long time ago this year, but still, I think Fritz should win that one. But the argument you could make is that there might be value on a Papyrin or maybe a Kashanov because Fritz and Nori are on the other side of the quarter. I don't think Nori's going to win the quarter because I think that Nori simply put facing Fritz first round and not being in great form recently is not that appealing. I think Kashanov's appealing. At 260, I think if I had to pick two players, it would be Fritz at 175 and Kashanov at 260. It's pretty chalky, but I think it is warranted, and I think that'll probably be the matchup we see in the quarterfinals. Moving on to the second quarter, you have Hurtcatch at plus 260, Tiafa at 3 to 1, Dimenauer at 4 to 1. You have Draper at 6 to 1, Sarundalo at 7 to 1, Zhang at 10 to 1, Karatsev at 11 to 1, and Schwartzman at 14 to 1. This is an absolute gauntlet. I think anybody, in theory, could win this quarter. Maybe even Schwartzman, because Schwartzman's actually been pretty good recently. So we'll see what happens. But I do think looking at these odds, I have no interest at all in her catch. He was really, really good in Shanghai, but I have I've mentioned this several times before, and I'll say it again. I don't like backing guys right off of long tournament runs, and you just saw Hercatch win a Masters 1000 title. I'm not sure he's even going to stay here for the 500. We'll see. But the point is, I do think Zhang, who faced off against him in a war in Shanghai, might beat him in the first round. I do think that uh, Hercatch is a bit vulnerable with fatigue, and I do think he is a prime fade candidate for this tournament. So I'm going to go with Tiafo 
as my first pick. He's facing off against Karatsev, did beat Karatsev earlier this year. He is ahead 2-0 in the head-to-head. They faced off in Washington, D.C., and Tiafo won 7-6-7-6. But I do think looking at this overall uh, overall tournament, Tiafo was the runner-up last year. I know he's a head case, but I do think he's less of a head case than Karatsev, and I think he should be able to beat Hercatch, who might be tired, or Zhang. I do like the prospect of a runner-up from last year winning his quarter at plus 300. I like the value on that quite a bit, so I am going to give that out as my first choice. Now, Dimenauer was a bit underwhelming in Shanghai as he ended up getting upset pretty early on to Morozin, but Morozin made a pretty respectable run in the end. But I do think looking at this overall path for uh, Dimenauer, facing off against Draper in the first round is really not easy. Now, Dimenauer is 1-0, did beat him in Wimbledon in four sets back in 2022. Does that mean anything? Not really. Draper is a very solid hardcore player, very crafty lefty, but his durability is very underwhelming. But luckily for Draper, it is a first-round match. I actually think Dimenauer might be on the ropes in this one. So I do think that for the sake of value, Dimenauer and Draper are going to be involved in a bit of a war here. So I really don't see much separating these players. And Sarundalo and Schwartzman is going to be close. I think I would probably lean Schwartzman, but you can argue it could go either way. I do think for this quarter, though, Tiafa will be my only pick. The top half is just so difficult with Dimenauer and Draper and Sarundalo and Schwartzman, that Tiafo has a much easier path in his section, and on top of that, the top half so hard to differentiate, I really don't see much value trying to th- make a dark throw to find who I think might make it to the quarterfinals. I have no idea. So because of that, I'm just going to go with Tiafo at 3-1. to one. I think he should be favored to win this quarter, and he is not. But the main, I'd say, note from the second quarter, I am skipping her catch. I think he's a prime fade candidate. I want nothing to do with him because of the actual scheduling spot. Now, moving on to the third quarter, you have uh, Zverev at plus 120. You have Paul at plus 333. You have Shelton at 4-1, to one, McDonald at 650, Jordan Thompson at 14-1, to one, and then a couple other guys who don't have a chance. So starting off with the obvious choice, I think Zverev is worthy of being the favorite here, and he has been in good form. We saw him win a title a couple weeks ago. His overall path is pretty solid. Facing off against Jordan Thompson in the first round, he should win that one. The matchup against either Shelton or Daniel, I'm assuming Shelton, should be fun. Because we know Zverev's a good returner, but Shelton has been in good form. I do think Shelton can beat Zverev if they face off against each other. Would it be the underdog? Of course. But I do think that Zverev is going to be in a bit of a tricky situation against Shelton, because if Shelton's first serve is on, then he can neutralize Zverev's elite returning, which can give Shelton an edge. But I do think looking at this overall quarter, if you want to make a case for somebody who's a bit of a longer shot, I really don't see much. I think it's going to be between the main three guys here. I know McDonald's fun at 650, but I've seen him crumble so so close to the finish line too many times that I'm kind of scarred from it, so I'm not going to do that. Thompson facing off against Verev in the first round, not ideal. Purcell's been really bad the last couple of weeks. Uh, Altmaier's more of a clay guy, and Tyrone Daniel I'm not giving a chance to. So I think for this uh, actual quarter, I'm going to go with Zverev, Paul, and Shelton. I'm going to go with Chalk, but I do think it's warranted. I think one of those three end up winning the quarter. And the last quarter, we're going to look at Rude being the favorite at plus 220. You have Felix at plus 300, Nishioka at 550, Offner at 7 to 1, Watanuki at 850, O'Connell at 850, Vukic at 11 to 1, and Giron at 14 to 1. Now, this quarter might seem up in the air because we know 
that you're looking at a pretty interesting spot for Rude because Rude is a favorite and he's expected to make a pretty a pretty deep run. Having said that, he's a top 10 player in the world and he's plus 220 to win a quarter where the second favorite is Felix. That tells you the kind of year that Rude's actually had. And I do think looking at this overall matchup, Watanuki is a good hardcore player who can give Rude a tough match, but I'm picking Rude to win. I think Rude is a great draw, and I think that Felix, we know, is an absolute meme at this point. So I do think Felix being the second favorite is laughable. I think Nishioka should have lower odds than Felix. I don't trust Felix to even win more than one match in any given ATP event, especially a 500. So for me, I think Rude is actually mispriced at plus 220. I know I've been harsh on him because he has not been great this year, and I know he's been critical of the tennis expert journalists, whatever you want to call it, because they've been heavily critical of Rude's performances this season. But I think that Rude is in a good spot, and plus 220 does seem pretty high. For what does look like a pretty weak quarter, at least on paper. So I am going to go with Rude as my main choice. And I think if I wanted to go for a second option, Nishioka Giron is pretty tricky because I do think that Giron can beat Nishioka. The question is, do I want to go with Vukic? I think Vukic can beat Felix. He has not been great lately. I think Vukic is interesting at 11 to 1. But I don't think the value is there. I think it should be a little bit higher. Uh, I think if I had to go with one guy, it'd be rude. But I really don't see much else. Apologies for going pretty chalky with the quarters. But once again, it's not too chalky when a decent amount of the favorites are plus money. In fact, every favorite's plus money. Fritz is 175. Her catch is 260. Uh, Zverev is 120. And Rude is plus 220. Reminder, I'm not taking her catch, but... I don't feel that bad giving out favorites in a quarter when none of the favorites are actually a minus price. So those are going to be my actual outrights to go through those once again. I'm going to go with Fritz and Karatsev as my two choices in the first quarter. I'm going to go with Tiafo in the second quarter by himself. I'm going to go with Zverev, Paul, and Shelton in the third quarter. And for the fourth quarter, give me Rude by himself at plus 220. Now transitioning over to the actual outright to win the entire tournament. Zverev is a pretty big favorite here at plus 350. You have Fritz in second at 8-1. to one. You have Hercatch at 8-1. to one. I already said I'm tossing him in the garbage, so I'm not going to take Hercatch here. Tiafo is at 10-1. to one. Rude's at 10-1. to one. Dimonau is at 11 to 1. Kashanov's at 12 to 1. Paul's at 12 to 1. Shelton's at 12 to 1. And you can go down the line. Now, I do think one of those guys is going to win. This event, it does seem like a pretty solid, top-heavy tournament for hardcore, I don't want to say specialists, but guys who excel in hard on hard courts. Fritz is interesting because I do think his quarter is relatively manageable, but I've not been impressed by the recent form, and I know that he won last year. But I think Fritz I'm actually kind of scared off on because I really don't like how he's played for the last couple of weeks. I already said I'm not taking her catch. I think I have to take... Well, Zverev, I kind of have to consider a 350. The question is, is 350 a good enough deal? Is there enough meat on the bone at 350 for me to seriously consider taking a shot there? I think there is, because Zverev did win a title a couple of weeks ago, and I know he's capable of really just looking sharp enough to get the job done. Maybe he'll drop a set, maybe he'll have a couple of three-setters, but I think that Zverev is worthy of being a favorite here, and his draw is pretty easy. I am going to go with Zverev at plus 350 as my first choice. For my second choice, give me Tiafo at 10-1. to 1. That makes a lot of sense with a guy that I think should have a pretty decent path of making it to a final. 
Uh, her catch is in his quarter, but her catch is going to be exhausted, and I'm fading him because of it. Tiafo's also a runner-up. I know he's a head case, but he has played well here in the past, and he's also not played much tennis recently, so I do trust his overall I'd say conditioning at this point in time, or at least his current fitness level. I think Tiafo will be rested, healthy, and ready to go. So give me Tiafo at 10 to 1. And my last choice, I think, is actually going to be Casper Root. I think Root has value at around 10 to 1. I know he's had a bad year and all, but his quarter, I said a second ago, is very, very weak. And I do think he can capitalize on that. Give me Root at 10 to 1 as well. So my three picks, no real outrights here. Apologies, but I really see this being a top heavy tournament is as a Masters 500 event. But give me Zverev at 350, give me Tiafo at 10 to 1, and give me Rude at 10 to 1 as well. Now, moving on to the next tournament, we're going to go through Stockholm, and we're going to start off by going through the quarter odds once again. So quickly, as I pull up the actual quarter odds here, uh, looking at this event should be pretty fun. But going through the history of this event, you ended up seeing the likes of Rune win this event. He ended up beating Tsitsipas last year. Tommy Paul beat Chapo in the final in 2021. Didn't happen in 2020. Chapo did win in, 2020, in uh, 2019 against Krajinovic. You saw Tsitsipas win against Gulbis in 2018. And they did a bunch of retired players with Del Potro and Burdich, for example, uh, winning in four consecutive years. So... For this event, it's been a different winner each of the last five times it's been held. So getting a repeat winner is not something that you're expecting. In fact, you tend to see, I don't want to say off the radar guys, but I think you're likely to see a more surprising winner than what we just talked about for Tokyo. So looking at the actual quarter odds, Rune is the favorite to win this event at plus 400. But once again, it's a bit unlikely based on the past to see the same guy win it back-to-back years. So I'll mention my thoughts on him in a second. Pretty weak field in general, though. Rune is at 4-1. to Manorino is at 6-1. to Sorry, that's the outrights. Let me see if they have quarters. Um, as of right now, I don't think I see any quarters. So... Yeah, apologies there, but for some reason, quarters are not up for Stockholm, so we're going to have to just deal uh, with the outrights itself. So we're going to skip a bit of a section there with the quarters. I'm doing a last-second just look-through to see if I can find any quarter bets on Stockholm. I don't think I'm going to find it, but you know, it never hurts to check multiple books. Okay, so I can't find it. Either way, point is for the odds to win the event. Rune is the favorite at plus 400. Manorino 6-1. Safulin is 8-1. Evans is 12-1. Fakina is 12-1. Waranka is 14-1. Sonigo is 14-1. Rusevori is 14-1. Laheshka is 14-1. Greasebor is 14-1. Wolf is 16-1. Kekmanovic is 16-1. Eubanks is 16-1. Monfi, for some reason, is 18-1. And Batista Agut is 18 to 1. So as you can tell, there are a lot of guys who can win this potentially open field because of how short some of the odds are between the 12 and 16 range. A lot of names mentioned. Now, I do think looking at the actual path of players, I'll start off with Rune because he is the defending champion and the favorite. Pretty easy draw. He's looking at what should be Kekmanovic followed by probably Laheshka. I think Rune should get past that, but Rune has been so bad for the past couple months. I cannot take him at 4-1. to one. I think that's an insane price. I get he's won it before. I get his talent levels higher in terms of upside than everybody else here, but he is in a massive downswing, and I cannot trust him, so I will not take Rune whatsoever. Now, Manorino is interesting at 6-1 to one because if you shop around, you can actually find it on DraftKings at 8-1, to one where Bet365 has 6-1. to one. So I'm going to use Manorino at 8-1 to one because I did find that price available. Now for Manorino, he's on the other side. 
and he has a pretty interesting matchup against potentially Safulan in the second round, which should be an absolute war. So it is pretty telling that the second favorite and the third favorite, Safulan and Manorino, play against each other in the second round of the event. So if you want to fade both, I really don't mind that actual idea because one of them is going to lose immediately, and you might find it a bit too risky and too difficult of a path to win the title when you have an absolute gauntlet on your hands in the second round of the event. So I can understand the argument that you might want to pass on Manorino and Safulin because you're not sure who's going to win, or maybe you wait until that match finishes and you just take whatever remaining price is left on the winner. But I do think Safulin and Manorino are both alive to win the event, but once again, the draw itself really did not do them any favors. If I had to pick between any of them, I probably would end up picking the likes of Safulin, because I think Safulin just has a bit more firepower, and I think that his serve is just a lot better than Manorino's. Manorino's tricky, but I really do think Safulin is, I don't want to say due to win a title, but I really think he's in line to win his title in the next couple months. He's a really, really good hardcore player, and I think he's in a great spot with his current level to give Manorino problems, and to potentially run the table and win the entire thing. If you want to go for Evans and you potentially feast on the winner of Safulin and Manorino, I wouldn't totally hate that uh, that premise. But Evans has been a bit streaky recently. I can see Evans losing to Munfi or Fuksovics. I'm not going to pick Munfi to win the event or Fuksovics because of fitness, where Fuksovics tends to struggle maintaining his level for several rounds, and Munfi... At this point, he's basically a dad who occasionally plays tennis, so I really don't trust his current fitness, but I think he's good enough to hold on for one round or so. I'm going to lean to Safulin. I might kick myself for skipping Manorino, but I do think that if I had to pick between Safulin and Manorino, I would pick Safulin right now. So I am going to go with Safulin as my first outright choice at around 8-1. to one. Now, looking at some other sections here in the tournament, so to go through the draw... Uh, in the middle, I'm going to go back to the Rune section because, once again, Rune, I think, is in terrible form and could be in line to get upset. Now, it is pretty interesting, looking at the section, that you have Greek Spore on a bye facing off against probably Rusevori, which is a very difficult match. You have Volhovich against Sunigo, not easy, and the winner probably gets Eubanks. So... Eubanks, you know, I'm not a big fan of, but I do think his path is not terrible. The question is, which guy do I actually trust the most in that section? I think it would be Greek Spore. I think Greek Spore is still a very solid player. Rusevori's had to battle some injuries for the last couple months. I think that you'll end up seeing Greek Spore win that match. So I'm going to go with Greek Spore at 14 to 1 as my, I guess, hybrid long shot. I think 14 to 1 is a good price. And I do think, once again, looking at his form this year, he's already won two titles, a loss in a separate final. I think that he's in a good overall spot with a pretty decent path to make a good run. Give me Greek Spore at 14 to 1. So the more that I think about it, I think I actually will take Safulin and Manorino. I know it's not going to sound pretty, but I really do like both players compared to the rest of the field. And since I am low on Rune, I do think that this should be a spot where the guys in the best current form have the ability to run the table, and you might see that. So I think my three outrights are going to be on Safulin at 8-1, to Manorino at 8-1, to and I will go with Greek Spore at 14-1. to And those will be my three picks. Once again, apologies for kind of misleading because I thought we had quarter odds for that event. But we do not. So apologies there, but hopefully uh, we'll be able to 
uh, get quarters in the future, and hopefully our outright picks end up winning their quarters because that will result in a couple extra wins for us because with common sense, you have to win your quarter in order to actually win the event. Now, looking at Antwerp, this is going to be an interesting one because Antwerp has Sitsipas as the favorite, which we know can be a very, very slippery slope. So to start off, I am going to go with the actual history of the event in Antwerp. The winner last year was Felix. That tells you how far he's fallen. Beat Korda in the final. Year before that, you had Sinner beating Schwartzman. You had Umber beating Dimenauer. You had Murray beating Warenka. It's actually a pretty similar story to an event I mentioned a little while ago. You've had a different winner. Each year, this tournament's been held. Start in 2016, no breaks for COVID, no nothing. So seven tournaments, seven different winners. But luckily, Felix isn't even in the event, so that's going to continue that trend. But to go through the actual odds for these, uh, for this actual event, uh, you have Sissipas as the favorite to win. Uh, let me just quickly check one more time. Sorry if I do have quarter odds available. Uh, do I have quarter odds available? I do not. So apologies there. Once again, we're going to have to just go with what we have. Sissy Paz is plus 275. You have Stroof at 650. You have Bublik at 8 to 1. Phil's at 9 to 1. Morozin at 11 to 1. Hallis at 14 to 1. Dezanchop at 14 to 1. Gofen is 16 to 1. You have Rinderknich at 16 to 1. Team at 18 to 1, and a bunch of other guys who I don't think have much of a chance. You can argue maybe Stricker does at 20 to 1, which I might mention in a second. But this really does seem pretty similar to an event that we talked about a couple of months ago involving Sitsipas, because you're looking at the actual a level of competition and the field in this event. And it does kind of seem pretty similar to the event we picked Sitsipas to win. And that event was, of course, in Los Cabos, where he was a pretty decent favorite. He was against basically nobody. And you ended up seeing him beat Dimenauer again in the final. But the point is, it's a pretty easy path for for uh, for Sitsipas. But he's been really underwhelming. So I really don't trust him at this point to make a deep run. Now, I do want to mention the actual draw that Sitsipas has for this event. So I mentioned Stricker might be live to beat him. We saw Stricker beat him in the U.S. Open. Stricker first round faced off against Dezenshulp. Second round... Sitsipas. I think Stricker can beat Sitsipas again. I've mentioned multiple times, I'll say it again, Sitsipas is really bad against the lefties. He just can't beat lefties recently, especially for the last couple of years, and we saw Stricker in particular beat Sitsipas in one of the bigger stages of the tennis calendar, which is the U.S. Open. I think Sitsipas actually might be fool's gold in this event, so I'm going to skip Sitsipas at his current price. Now, if I want to go through... The other guys that I mentioned, I mentioned Struff at 650. Struff has really not played much tennis recently. He was also battling an injury. So you can argue that Struff does not have much value since you kind of want to see a bigger sample size from him since coming back. His path is pretty decent, probably facing off against Rinderknich in the second round. Rinderknich can be a bit tricky at times, but Struff should win that. Then probably Gasquet which I think Struff should win. But once again, it's a pretty low price for a guy that's really not played much tennis at all for the last couple of months. So I think I'm going to have to pass on Struff for that price alone. Phil's is interesting because I think Phil's obviously has the talent to make a good run here. And to go through his actual path, it's pretty good. Face off against Munar in the first round, then probably against Morozin. Now, Morozin had a good run in Shanghai, but I think Morozin's a bit overvalued at this point because it does seem like his odds 
are heavily based off of the event last week where he's fresh in everybody's mind. Maybe fatigue plays a factor, but Phil's has won a title this year. He made a final in a hard court earlier this year. I believe in Leon when he watched when he lost to Bonzi. But the point is, Phil's has the talent to make a deep run. And I think that his value or the price is actually a bit off since I don't trust Bublik at all. I know Bublik is a head case, so I'm going to pass on him. But Phil's is 9-1, to one, so if you want to go for a guy that's one of the shorter prices, I think Phil's at 9-1 to one is a pretty good value play, and I am going to go with that. Now, I did mention before, I am going to take Stricker at around 20-1. to one. I feel obligated to, because once again, he did beat Tsitsipas in the U.S. Open, and I think he can beat him again. But Stricker has a great serve, and I said before that this is the fastest hardcore event out of this week's schedule. Antwerp is faster than Tokyo, and it is faster than than Stockholm. So a big serve can go a long way, and I do think that Stricker's first serve can dominate here. So I do think looking at the overall odds, Stricker is a pretty fun option as a potential long shot, and I do think that he once again can actually get the job done here. Now, Bublik is interesting for the schedule, but once again, I can't trust him. And since he won that grass title in, I believe it was Hamburg, he has really just been useless because Bublik kind of checked checked out for the entire season. He won his title and decided to take a nap. So I don't trust Bublik at all to even try in any given event after winning a 500. So I think looking at this overall spot, I'm going to have to pass on a Bublik, I really... Oh, sorry, he won Halla. It wasn't Hamburg. He won Halla. Uh, Hamburg's the clay event. Apologies. So he did win Halla, where he beats Zverev in the final. Since winning in Halla, he really hasn't done a damn thing. So I don't trust Zver- I don't trust uh, Bublik to get the job done. I'm going to pass on him. I think that's basically it. I'm, I really did not find much in this event. I think unlike the other two, this one is extremely wide open. If you told me there's a world where team makes a deep run and you see maybe like Morozin and you see a couple other uh, long shots make a deep run. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked. I think this tournament is really up for grabs, but I think looking at the odds, Phil's a nine to one's very appealing. Morozin's fun, but I just don't see him making that big of a leap to win a title. I don't see that happening. I don't trust the Zanchop. Golfin has not played enough and he has not been in great form this year. Rinderknich, now I'll pass on him. House has not been good this year. I think I'm just going to stick with those two. I'm going to go with uh, Phil's and I'm going to go with Stricker. And those are going to be my two outrights for Antwerp. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights. And now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for some matches. Before we get into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by the SGPN Second Chance Survivor Contest. Already knocked out of your NFL Survivor? Don't worry, we got you covered with the SGPN Second Chance Survivor, presented by Corey Pinkston and Barking Dog Properties. $3,000 up for grabs. Winner takes all. Starts this weekend, so sign up now. SportsCampockets.com slash Survivor. That's SportsCampockets.com slash Survivor. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog has just introduced Scorchers. Go 5 for 5 and pick them Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100x payout and for a limited time underdog is extending the first deposit bonus up to five hundred dollars a hundred thousand dollars sundays continue underdog fantasy 10 lucky players will win ten thousand dollars each so watch along make your picks and maybe make a little cash over underdog's mobile app or website underdogfantasy.com when you sign up remember use the promo code sgpn and underdog will will double your first deposit up to five hundred dollars so underdog fantasy promo code sgpn 
We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I love attending sporting events in person. And it used to be very difficult to actually find a ticket platform that I could trust, but that changed when I found Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And my favorite feature from the actual app is the images of seat views feature, which is very useful. It tells you or shows you exactly what the view is going to be if you purchase that specific ticket. So you don't have to worry about getting a view that's obstructed, which I'm sure has happened to all of us at least once in our lives. But forget planning months in advance. Game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. An exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110%. Of the, of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Less minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets. The sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into the Hall of Fame Bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool. And you can get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights for Tokyo, Stockholm, and Antwerp. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the matches. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to Stockholm. I'm going to look at a matchup between Seabolt Wild and Safuan. And for this matchup, I am going to go with Seabolt Wild to not win a set, or in other words, Safuan to win 2 nothing. And you can find that at minus 138 on FanDuel. Coverings why I am going to go with Seabolt Wild to not win a set. First reason, Safuan's been in very good form lately, and he's a very good hardcore player. We saw him make the final in Shangdu as he ended up losing to Zverev in a heartbreaking three-set loss there. Then ended up playing against Murray in the first round of Shanghai, won in straight sets. Then he avenged his loss against Zverev in 1-6-3-6-1. Then he lost to Shelton. It was a very competitive match, lost in three. No shame in that. Seabolt Wild this year has only played in three hardcourt matches. He played in the Davis Cup in September, ended up beating a relative unknown Danish player, Holmgren, in straight sets and ended up losing in the second round of U.S. Open qualifying as he got buried by Kolar in the second round after beating Kuzmanov in the first round in three sets. So the point is, he both wild, hasn't really not even bothered to play on hard court. He knows he's a clay court specialist. He knows that that's where he's going to make most of his money on the Challenger Tour. So I do think with the transition to a new surface for him, it's going to be a bit of a struggle, and I do think that you're looking at Seabolt Wild probably struggling against the firepower that Safulon has. Seabolt Wild does not exactly have a great serve. He has pretty good overall strokes, but I do think that the firepower and the aggressiveness for Safulon and even the underrated net play will keep Seabolt Wild off balance for the entire match. Give me Safulon to win in straight sets at minus 138 as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go to a matchup taking place between Kashanov 
and Papyrin. And for this matchup, I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 150. To go through the head-to-head, Papyrin has been involved in a couple marathons with Kashanov. They faced off in 2022 in Rotterdam. Kashanov won in three, and they faced off in Dubai in 2021. Kashanov once again won in three. Both those matches did end via final set tiebreaker. So head-to-head-wise, it's a pretty competitive matchup based on the history, and I do think you're likely to see another competitive matchup here. I mentioned it before, but I will say it again. Papyron has been involved in a bunch, and I mean a bunch, of three-set matches lately, so he's been no stranger to seeing some uh, high-level high-level moments and low-level performances, but I think in Tokyo, you're going to see a pretty competitive match here, and this is going to be taking place on Monday night. So to look at Papyron's recent matches, just to go in order here. So Papyron lost in three sets to Arnaldi. Match before that, lost in three sets to Korda. Match before that, lost in four to Stricker. So it did win a set there, but that was the US Open, so you can kind of disregard that because it's not a two out of three set match, uh, actual match. So Hergatch beat him in straight sets. It was 7-6 into the second set, 10-8 in the breaker. But he ended up beating Altmaier in three, beat Rusevori in three, Lost to Purcell in three. So if you want to do the math quickly, once again, Papyron in two out of three set matches has constantly been involved in the third set. So to go through the most recent matchup against Arnaldi, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, 3-1. Sorry, just uh, looking at this. 4-1, 5-1, 6-1, 7-1, He's been to a third set in eight of his last nine three-set matches. So, or... Eight of his eight of the last nine, two out of three set matches. So he's really no stranger to being involved in a deciding set. And I do think that Kashanov, despite being the better player, has not exactly been in amazing form recently after winning that title. And we saw him look a little bit vulnerable in the last event he was in. To go through Kashanov's recent results, he did end up losing to Dimitrov. Pretty competitive match there, lost in straight sets. But he faced off against Zukayev, a relative unknown player. And that did go three sets. Also lost to Musetti in the first round of Beijing in three sets. So I do think looking at the actual odds here and the recent form of both players, expecting a deciding set is actually a pretty solid value play at plus 150, especially with the head-to-head being 2 nothing in favor of the match to go three sets. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be Safuan to win in straight sets at minus 138 on FanDuel, and the dog will be Kashanov and Papyrin over two and a half sets at plus 150. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on a bunch of shows at the network. Find me on the NBA show, the MLB show, the NFL show, the WNBA show, you get the point. Also find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. We'll back once again for the semis of these tournaments, but until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.